Welcome to the Grace Long Beach podcast, a series of sermons from our weekly Sunday gathering. For more information on our church community, values, and service times, please visit www.gracelb.org. Thanks for listening. Today's reading is John 10, 1 through 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Kids, you are dismissed to King's Quest. Again, my name is Daniel Long. I'm a pastor here. And if you're new with us, uh, I just want to say that I'm glad that you're here. And I don't know where any of you are. Well, that's not true. I know where some of you are. But a lot of you, I don't know where you are in your journey with Jesus. Um, but I hope you experience this as a place that is welcoming and inviting, no matter where you might be, um, in order to encounter the remarkable love of God. So would you pray, and then we'll get into, uh, would you pray with me as we get into this morning's passage? God, you are the one who loves us. You are the one who moves towards us. Thank you that you, thank you that you do that. Thank you that you are the one who is life, you are the one who provides life, and that you are the one who takes the first move. I pray and ask this morning through your word that we might hear you, that we might experience the love that you have, that we might be attentive to your presence and the work you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're in a series this summer called Seven Psalms, Seven Statements, in which we're looking at on one week a psalm, and then the following week, uh, one of the seven I am statements of Jesus. We do this in order through the psalm to ask the question, what does it look like for us to engage with God? And then in the I am statements in the book of John, asking the question, well, what does it look like for God to engage with us? And this morning, we're, we're going to be in John chapter 10, if you want to turn your Bibles there, um, or your devices. So the Blue Bible's in front of you, that's page 896. Uh, and this is one of the I Am statements um, that is connected to one of the more prominent, or more probably um, the one we remember most, I am the good shepherd. But before Jesus says that, he says, I am the door. And what does that mean? And we're going we're gonna to figure it out together. Uh, so on page 896, John chapter 10, 
we're going to be looking at the passage this morning. But before that, I want to just kind of step back and, and put this, this statement, this I am or these I am statements in context. Uh, because the phrase I am is something that would be in the minds of the hearers um, whom Jesus is talking to. That is, this idea of I am is found in Scripture, specifically in, in the story of the Exodus, of God's rescue of the Israelites out of Egypt. And it takes place in this moment, which you know, when, when God shows up in this bush that is aflame but is not being consumed. Um, and Moses comes upon this bush, this burning bush, and God tells Moses what he wants him to do is to go into Egypt and to tell Pharaoh to let the people go so that he might rescue them out of Egypt. Well, Moses, after some back and forth, not feeling really up to the task, is then convinced, but he says, who am I to tell the, the, these people, your people, who sent me? And of course, God says, I am sent you. That is, nobody, what does that even mean? I am sent you. The tetragrammaton, right? The, this, the Yahweh, whenever you see Yahweh, Lord, but referring to I am. I am sent you. It can also be referred to as I will be who I will be. This sense of I am, as God is speaking to Moses, is this sense that God will be known in ongoing relationship. For God to say, tell them that I am sent you, is to tell them that the God who rescues them from Egypt is the God they are going to be with, and over time will learn about who he is. So when Jesus then comes onto the scene and he starts making these claims of I am this, I am that, Jesus is connecting himself to the larger story of Israel, to the rescue of God's people, but he's also saying that I am part of God's ongoing revelation of who God is and what he's like. These aren't simply sentimental statements of, oh, oh, isn't that nice? No, this is connected so deeply. It's rooted so deeply in the story that God has been telling and wants to continue to tell. So when Jesus says, I am, Jesus is connecting himself to God as the very revelation of God himself. So that brings us to today's text, John chapter 10. Now it's broken up into two different sections. You have the first few verses, verses 1 through 5, which is spoken like a parable. Jesus tells a story. And then you have the latter half of the text as being the interpretation or explanation of that story. And so as we, if we look at John 10, verses 1 through 5, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow. But they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So in this story that he's telling, there are a few different elements to the story. There's a sheepfold, there's a shepherd, there's a gate or a door, there are thieves and there are robbers. And so he's setting up this story, but it's also important to know who he's speaking to. 
And if we were to look back at John 9 and, and continue John 9 into John 10, we know that Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Now, why is that important? Because it's so easy to sentimentalize this, this text, right, about a shepherd and a sheep. as being, oh, isn't that nice? We have that image, right, of Jesus carrying like a sheep around, like over his neck. Isn't that so lovely and wonderful? And it is a beautiful image. But before it is an image of comfort, it's, it's an image actually of, of the type of leader, the type of authority that Jesus is displaying to people like the Pharisees who are expecting a certain type of Messiah or deliverer. And Jesus is confronting that and saying, no, I am this way. I am the Messiah, the deliverer. I am God's son, the one whom he has sent to you. So it is, it is a very serious text and story and parable about how Jesus is with his sheep, the good shepherd with his sheep. Now, what I find fascinating about this also is that Jesus tells this story and he, in, in the first five verses, and then he says in verse six, this figure of speech Jesus used with them like a parable, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So the, the way a parable works in the Gospels is that Jesus would often share a story people wouldn't understand. And the way that one comes to understand the parable is to be near and close to Jesus, as if the uncovering of the story and its meaning comes only by way of Jesus' explanation. And so it's okay if after you read the interpretation and explanation, you don't understand. Do you ever feel like that? Like you're reading it, Jesus says, well, they didn't understand then he explains it, and you're like, I didn't understand that either. I don't really know where I'm at in the story and who I'm supposed to identify with, and that's on purpose. But see, Jesus, in, in, in this sense, he is wanting to upend the, this idea of, of expectations and of who they wanted, and he does it by telling a story, and then he's going to interpret the story. And he says, so again, in verse 7, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So we know in verse 11 that Jesus is going to identify as the good shepherd. That one makes sense. Well, it can make, it seems to make more sense. But Jesus first identifies himself with being the door. So Jesus tells a story that includes thieves, robbers, a sheepfold, sheep, a shepherd, and a door. And then Jesus take, identifies with two elements in that story. And I find that really fascinating. So before he is the shepherd, he wants us to know that he is also the door. He is the way by which the sheep go in and out. So when I think of this image as Jesus as the door, I want to explore two things I think Jesus might be getting at. It, the first one is about God's protective care. That the image of the door refers to the protective care of God. But then it also refers to access to abundant life. If we hear the story Jesus told and we hear the way he interprets it, these are two things I think that emerge from the story. So what do I mean by God's protective care? So Jesus claiming I am the door refers to God's protective care, and here's why. Because as a shepherd, in that context, often, or it wasn't out of the ordinary, for a shepherd, once he brings the sheep into the sheepfold, 
he would often lay down by the door in order to protect the sheep. There's this undercurrent, this element in the story of threat. He speaks of thieves and robbers more than once. Those who come in and not by the door, they are there because they are thieves and robbers. Later on, thieves and robbers come in only to kill and to destroy. So there's this sense of threat that kind of pervades the story. As if to say, Jesus, I am the door. I am the one who protects. Therefore, you as the sheep do not need to worry. Jesus presents himself as the one who does not or who is so protective of those under his care that those who are under his care do not need to worry. So there's a sense of trust that Jesus is getting at here as him being the door. This sense of of confidence in Jesus' protection. Now, I think this is an incredible word to those who are suffering. It's an incredible word to those who are suffering because if God's protective care is a constant, is something we can trust, then certainly those of you who are in a period of suffering, it means that God can handle whatever it is you have to give him. Because in a sense of suffering, I'm not using this as God's protective care in a sense of suffering, so you just need to be happy about that. I'm actually saying that your circumstances and where you are have a part to play and a role to play in your own journey with Jesus. And some of that means lament and honesty and truth-telling with others and with God. To be in God's protective care means that he, will, he is protecting you even in that. It can be a word of hope for those who are suffering. God's protective care, as Jesus displays it, can be a word of those, to those who are doubting. Now, those of you who have, who have claimed allegiance to Jesus who've given your life to Jesus, there are times in the journey when you will wonder what it's all about and what it is you're doing. And sometimes the questioning, I don't think that, that we as a church, not Grace, but capital C, have really explored what it means to doubt well and in a helpful way and to help those who are doubting. Because often it's easy in times of doubt to think, oh man, I'm doubting, I have questions, I don't know what to do with that. What does that mean about my faith? And we put too much stock in those questions as determining where we are with God instead of seeing God as the door who protects your faith when times when it feels like you don't have any. And we need that. We need God's protective care of our faith and in our journey with Jesus in order to be people who are able to then grow in trust and confidence with Jesus. But God's protective care, Jesus, I am the door, is a statement of comfort to those who are striving. Because often it's easy to think that your life with God is up to you. You think that where your status with God is, is only a matter of what you're able to do or what you, need, what you abstain from. And often that produces a lifestyle of self-righteousness, of exhaustion, of trying to keep up with your spiritual life and your own faith. But I want to speak to you and say God's protective care means that you don't have to strive. God takes care of you. You are under God's care, despite what you're able to do. You do not need to hold on to your faith by what you are capable of, 
But God is holding on to you, and so therefore you can experience his grace and his mercy afresh. So God, revealing himself in Jesus, saying, I am the door, is testimony to God's protective care. But it's also testimony to his access to abundant life. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, as the door, Jesus claims to be the only way, the only way to full, real, true, and abundant life. But here's what's really beautiful about this. That Jesus, being the access to God, means that those who may have thought they were could never be God's sheep actually have access to God. So if we think about the image of the sheepfold, and we think about who Jesus is talking to, the Pharisees, all of a sudden the sheep don't simply include the people of Israel. The sheep, because of Jesus being the door and because there's access to God through Christ, has now made it available beyond the people of Israel, to include the Gentiles, to include us. We have access to the life of God because of Jesus Christ, because he himself is the door. But it also means, as access to life in God, it means that Jesus actually has the vision of what the good life is, what the abundant life is. And so here's my question to you. What is your vision of the abundant life? What is your vision of the abundant life? We all have one, and we're all living in reference to it. Is your vision of the abundant life, for some, I would imagine, for some of you, it's just peace and equanimity. You just don't want to worry about anything. To have a good life would be to be a life where I don't have to worry about money, what's going to happen to my kids, my future. I just want to be at peace. A vision of the good life is a life at peace. For some of you, a vision of the good life is a life of self-fulfillment, making a mark in the world, accomplishment and achievement. For some of you, it's, it's to actually have a sense that you can look back over your life and say, okay, I accomplished something. My life actually mattered. I was someone. Does that resonate at all with you? For some, I think a vision of the good life is a vision where you are, where there's a sense of, of doing good. You don't want just to accomplish something necessarily. You don't want just peace and equanimity. But you, you want to have made an impact for good in the world. I don't know what your vision of the good life is, but we all have one, and we're all living in reference to it. It's interesting. I was thinking about some cultural stories of the vision of the good life, and, and, I, and I was thinking about the book, actually, which also displayed in a movie, um, Fight Club. And that I know, right? You guys didn't know what was going there. Um, but so here's the, the cool thing about that story is it's reacting to a vision of the good life that 
Tyler Durden, this prophetic figure, is, is calling BS on. He's like, no way, that's not the vision of the good life. We need to destroy that vision because it's actually creating some sort of sickness in the world. And it's interesting what he says. He says this, advertising has us chasing cars and clothes, working jobs we hate so we can buy stuff we don't need. We're the middle children of history, man. No purpose or place. We have no great war, no great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression is our lives. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. And we're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very angry. Man, if you clean that, it just doesn't have the force of what he actually says. But what he's getting at is, is this sense of, of... You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, but what he's, what he's saying is where we live in a world in which we're being fed what this good life is. And it's not true. Because what it means is we just end up working and living lives that we don't like to just have stuff we don't need. And that's not, I don't think, my generation. That's not our vision of the good life. We're much like Tyler Durden. Well, we kind of grown up past that. This movie came out in 1999. The book came out a little bit earlier. So this is right on the turn of that century. And we're like, yeah, absolutely. That is not the vision of the good life. But we think, we, being me, millennial, exennial, I don't know what I am, but we think, okay, well, we have a better vision of the good life. We're going to search and strive for authenticity, man. That's what we want. We want to live lives that are true and honest. And so we've just replaced one vision of the good life. We don't want stuff. What we want are experiences that matter and tap into me. We want to be able at the end of our life to look back on our Instagram feed and say, yeah, man, we did it. We accomplished it. And here is proof. See the smiles? See the Grand Canyons? See Paris and all these paintings I'm not looking at because I'm taking a selfie of? I mean, we, we want to, people my, in my generation, we've replaced one false narrative for another false narrative. And the thing that these narratives have in common is that I am the center point of that vision. I am the interpreter of what the good life is. And Jesus says, no, I am the door. Those who come in and out through me will go into a nourishing pastures of abundant life. I am the one who is the access to what matters, to substance, to full life of abundance. So what is your vision of the good life? Because you have one, and I have one, and I'm constantly living in reference to it. So take a moment. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to answer that question in your mind, what is your vision of the good life? And here's the thing that has been challenging me over the last two weeks. As I've thought about that question, as I've looked at, or looked at these words in Scripture, heard the voice of Jesus saying, I am the door. I am the God who will protect you. I am the one who has access to full and abundant life. And I read that, and I know it. I know, I know that my vision of the good life can never fulfill or add up or measure up to Jesus. I know it. 
but I don't believe it. And why is that? What's the, what's the kink in the hose there? From knowledge to belief. And I think in some ways, it has to do with this idea of trust and confidence. It's this sense of actually trusting and living a life defined by trust that God, that Jesus Christ is the access and the interpreter of what the abundant life actually is. But that only comes by way of following and living with Jesus. The thing about this parable, this story, is that you hear relational language throughout. You hear these words of the sheep and the shepherd, of the sheep knowing the shepherd's voice, of the shepherd protecting the sheep, of the shepherd leading out and the sheep following. I mean, there's this relational language that is at work in this parable, in what Jesus is talking about. So the way to move from knowledge to actual belief that, innate, that activates my life in a certain way comes only by way of living life with the God we now have access to in Jesus. Because we think we know what we want, but we don't. We think we know what we want, but we actually don't. And the remarkable claim that Jesus is making as the door and as access to abundant and full life is to say that he will both show us what we want, what we are to want, and also be the fulfillment of those wants and desires. So in life with Christ, we learn to want the right things, and then we learn that Jesus is the fulfillment of those things. But that only takes place in an ongoing, continual day-by-day, practice-by-practice, choice-by-choice relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no other way that happens. Confidence and trust, if you think about the relationships that matter most to you, your confidence and trust in those relationships have come only by way of an ongoing relationship with that person. There's a history. There is a life lived. There are conversations There are choices that have been made. There's a reciprocity. There's a back and forth. And that's the life. That is the life that we are called to with God. And access to that life is in Jesus. Dallas Willard says this, who's thought a lot about how do we we cultivate a life full of confidence and trust in Jesus. Jesus offers himself as God's doorway into the life that is truly life. Confidence in him leads us today, as in other times, to become his apprentices in eternal living. I want to pause right there. Apprentices in eternal living. An apprentice is somebody who sits closely to the one they're they're wanting to become in order to learn what it is they have. So apprentices in eternal living. Those who come through me will be safe, he said. They will go in and out and find all they need. I have come into the world that they may have life and life to the limit. So how does this confidence and trust in in Jesus, being the one who is is our protector but also our access to life, how is it incorporated in our lives? How does it actually take root? It's being an apprentice with Jesus in eternal living. It's a day-to-day, practice-by-practice, hour-by-hour relationship with God 
a journey with Jesus. And we have access to that because of Jesus, because of his life and his death and his resurrection. Stanley Howerloss puts it this way. He says, Christians are people whose lives would be unintelligible if God were not present to them in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. What is he saying? He's saying our lives should be lived in such a way that they would not make sense without Jesus Christ. And how much of my life makes sense without Jesus? That's the question I've been wrestling with and thinking through and convicted by. Because Christians in this being apprentice with Jesus in eternal living means that my life needs to come to a conclusion that can only make sense because Jesus is the one who pervades my life, my thinking, and my vision of what I want and desire and of this abundant life. And that is, I think, the, the call that Christ has before us, Grace Long Beach, his church, but also as his followers, to trust that Jesus is the one who protects, to trust that Jesus actually is the access, actually has the way can actually lead us into those nourishing pastures of abundant life. That is the choice before all of us. That is the choice before you if you do not know anything of what I'm talking about. If you do not know Jesus, Jesus comes to you today and says, I have life, and I want to give you abundant life. But for those who have been following Jesus for however long, Jesus still comes to you and says those same words. I am the door. I will protect you in your suffering. I will protect you in your doubting. I will protect you in your striving. So stop. I have the vision of abundant life. There is nothing that we as people can conjure up that would, that would be better than what Jesus would have. So, so much of my life, if I'm honest, I make choices and I think of these visions and then I ask Jesus to baptize them. And I attach Jesus to my vision of the good life. And Jesus says, Daniel, let me be the sole interpreter of what the good life is. And trust me and follow me into those nourishing pastures of abundant life. Thanks be to the God who is present to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Thanks be to the God who is the door through Jesus, access to life with him into life abundant. Amen.